For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Man, who says preseason football is boring? Good morning to you. Good Sunday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is a bonus edition of Daily Shot of Steelers. Comes your way usually Monday through Friday, bright and early, if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates on those days. Steelers, 32, Seahawks, 25. And no, the score doesn't matter, but the way it was achieved absolutely does. So much so that in walking out of, oh, I almost called it Heinz Field, Akersure Stadium, Late last night, less than 24 hours removed from my flight back from Europe, I thought, all right, all right, what's an extra daily shot, especially after I blew everybody off for a week straight. So here we are, back together again and talking football and talking Steelers and talking about a nice, again, the W doesn't matter. But the fact that Mitch Trubisky performed well with the first-team offense against Seattle's first-team defense, that matters. The fact that Mason Rudolph, he wasn't all that super sharp, but he threw a heck of a touchdown pass to George Pickens, who, you know, did Pickens-like things at the other end of the football. And then Kenny Pickett, of course, comes in and Steals the headlines from everybody by getting the crowd behind him the moment he comes onto the field. They're chanting, Kenny, Kenny. And all he does is lead the winning touchdown drive with the winning touchdown pass of 24 yards to Tyler Vaughn's perfectly placed, perfectly finished by Vaughn's. Everybody super stoked. And I am here not to rain on anybody's parade, but to take it more to its essence. Because the most impressive aspect of everything that occurred last night wasn't the play of any specific quarterback, but the fact that all of the quarterbacks had as much time as they did to achieve a few extra seconds and stretch plays. As I'm sitting there and watching these plays, and again, this is universal across all three QBs, I saw time after time, one extra move, one extra look. I saw, insert loud gasp, quarterbacks step up in the pocket on those rare occasions when the pocket wasn't working out for them. I saw Jalen Warren, Anthony McFarland running for real yards in really straight lines. And that one is a jab at McFarland because he's not done that before in black and gold. But he sure did last night. 
And the common denominator in all of that, of course, was the O-line. Now, I got to tell you, I seized upon the first truly open locker room after a game in the NFL in three years to make a B-line for the O-line, because that's the way I've always done it, and that really felt appropriate after this one. Here's what Mason Cole, the new starting center, had to say when I asked him how the line's coming. Uh, good. I think it really every day we're just getting a little bit better. Um, I, I think we're starting to learn each other and learn play together as a group and, and really starting to kind of find our stride here. Now, obviously, there's two more preseason games and then the, and then the real stuff starts, so um, we really got to prove it then, but I, I think if we keep progressing, we're going to be a really good group. Here's what Joe Haig, the universal backup, and that's really probably what Joe is at this stage of his career. Here's what he had to say on the same subject. Yeah, no, I think so. I think it's. Uh, I think we brought some great new new faces. Um, a lot of the guys that are still here, then you know, big contributors, and I think we're all pretty excited to see what we can do this year. They're not done. They're not done. A couple other offensive linemen told me the same thing. They see the holes. They're aware of the shortcomings. They're very much in touch with when things don't go well. And I don't mean to paint. Last night's performance is pristine. It wasn't. Guys got beat. But this is not your 2021 O-line. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. You go right ahead and shop at the candy store. I get it, okay? It's fun. That whole thing was fun. Pickens is a blast in and of himself. The body control this dude's got. For someone his size, the raw athleticism, but also the coordinated skill set involved in some of his catches, the way he positions his arms away from his body to make sure that the guy behind him or the guy near him can't be the first one to the football and from there pulls it in or pulls it up and over or whatever it is that it takes to make it happen. That's, yeah, there's something there. There's something there. And I'll remind that this was only a fraction, really, of the first team offense, considering that you're not having Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Zach Gentry. Nobody was out there. Nobody was out there other than the starting quarterbacks and the starting offensive linemen. But I am here to remind on this particular day, after that game that's going to have everyone all excited that none of it happens if the O-line isn't markedly better than the one from last season. This group isn't there. They're right. But they're miles ahead. And that is easily the thing that should have the collective nation really smiling. Here to hear when we come back, J1Q.
Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's time for J1Q, and afterward, I'm going to have a, a special message for everybody who's kind enough to tune in and listen to today's episode. The J1Q itself comes from Emmanuel in Portland, Oregon, and he asks, is the offense now comparable to the defense? They seem to be complementary while playing without weapons like Najee and Deontay, and if so, are we not? Are we now talking playoffs? I'm not laughing at you, Emmanuel. I'm laughing with you. People were really, really, really fired up after this. Um, I, listen, I'd tell you the same thing if the Steelers lost and stunk. Preseason games don't mean a whole lot. Preseason outcomes mean nothing. The fact that it felt fun to see the team, you know, march down the field and the fact that it was picket and that it was a touchdown and there's three seconds left and you see all the regular starter guys on the sidelines being excited for the third stringers and so forth that are out there. It's, it's, it's entertainment, but it's not something that's significant beyond the stuff that I mentioned in the first segment. Quarterback performance matters. Offensive line performance really matters in this setting. But where you're going with this is that the offense might be a match for the defense, to which I would respond cynically that the only way that happens is if the defense is a lot less dynamic and dangerous than we're all rightly expecting it to be. So if you want to look at it from that standpoint and critique, for example, Devin Bush's lousy performance last night, that'd be a separate subject. But I think this defense, uh, if and when it's got everybody out there, and I say if only because all these secondary guys keep getting hurt, including three more last night, Akella Witherspoon, DeMonte Casey, and Carl Joseph all went down, and I saw Joseph in the locker room walking around with a a boot on his right foot with a lot of teammates looking very concerned as they approached to ask him how he was doing. Um, That's, yeah, not great. You want and need to have the whole secondary healthy. But you, you brought up the offense here. So the idea that the offense would elevate independent of the defense coming down to their level is it's, plausible. It's plausible. It is. Because there were things that we saw last night from the offense, including the quarterbacks, especially Trubisky, when it came to mobility. Trubisky's escapability in this game really jumped out at me. The fact that he'd get himself in trouble and he'd just kind of push away. Remember the one 
situation where the guy came in, almost had him, and it almost looked like old school Ben, where they made contact, but he just kind of bounced off and just kept going. But then he got away from the guy. He left a vapor trail and went around end, and you're going to see Steelers quarterbacks pile up actual running yards. Not Lamar Jackson or anything like that, but they're going to have running yards. We saw a throw over the middle to Gunnar Olszewski, who, by the way, also impressed. I don't even know how much Olszewski would have played in that first half if Calvin Austin hadn't gotten the foot injury on Friday, as Mike Tomlin revealed after the game. But he went out there and made the most of it. Steven Sims, who nobody's even ever heard of, is one of those wide receiver depth guys. Looked outstanding. Miles Boykin made a nice play. There are a lot of receivers. There really are. I mentioned in the opening segment Warren and McFarland and how they looked as possible RB2 slash RB3 guys. There was no Benny Snell. Obviously, Najee didn't dress. Neither of the tight ends dressed. But you saw things that looked different in some important areas for this offense. And if you were just watching this game, like let's say from the roof of the stadium, and you could only make out like tiny little X's and O's, the thing that would probably leap up at you is that the plays lasted longer. They were extended. Part of that, again, was because of the quarterback's mobility. Part of that was because Matt Canada apparently is now okay with calling for plays that involve a little bit of extension, that allow the receiver to go across the middle, that allow for other motions and movements and jet sweeps and everything else. But at the risk of being repetitive, that all started with the offensive line. I want to take an extra couple of seconds here to thank everybody for their uh, patience and multiple uh, statements of forceful support is the way that I'm going to put it. I think there are a lot of people who have listened to this show for a while who are aware that I don't exactly take days off. I'm here for you every day. Uh, Rain, shine, snow, off-season, on-season, whatever it is. And I take a lot of pride in that. But there was only one way that I was going to pull off a trip of this scope, uh, spending a day in either direction at the front and back in London, but spending the bulk of the trip in my ancestral home, my family's home of Serbia. I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, but all of my relatives and uh, the, the rest of the tree, I guess, is on that side of the water. And to take my 18-year-old son, Marco, over there and to have the experiences that we did the first time I'd been there in 26 years, um, it it was really something. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't think about football or podcasts or anything of the kind when I was there. We were so busy, so tied up in running around to this place to that place to meet this person or that person or to see this museum or that museum or this historical site or whatever it was, that there just wasn't the time or the energy. And that in and of itself made it a break 
unlike any other I've taken in the eight plus years since creating DK Pittsburgh Sports. I am here to tell you, and I mean this, that had I been hearing all kinds of complaints about, oh, you know, what are you doing? This show's supposed to be on at this time. What kind of a professional are you or whatever? That it really would have gotten to me. I very much have that kind of personality as well. And that's not what happened. What I was told by you was just just go. Turn everything off. Forget about us. We'll talk again next week. Well, thank you for that. And I mean that. And I'm really, really excited and re-energized and everything else uh, to do these shows and to cover this football team. And hey, now that they're going to the Super Bowl, it's going to be even more fun, right? Let's do this again tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.